This series was produced by Reuters Plus. Powerful stories start here. Hello, this is the Financial States of America. I'm Brian Falchuk, a financial services industry veteran and your co-host today. And I'm Christian Mitchell, Chief Customer Officer at Northwestern Mutual. You know, we have a fascinating subject to discuss today, one we can all relate to, which is how different generations are approaching their finances. That's right, Brian. From America's youngest adults, Gen Z, to baby boomers and beyond, we all have different wants and needs and very different attitudes towards money. So we're going to be taking a good look into these different trends. Well, that's a topic we all have an opinion on. Plus, we'll be speaking to Tanya Van Cork, founder and CEO of Goalsetter, an app that helps people plan their finances through every stage of life. Tanya is amazing. I can't wait to talk to her. This is going to be a fabulous show. Let's get into it. I guess I should start by saying that I'm on the cusp of maybe being too young to be Gen X, but that's where I identify, that's what I am, and I grew up on 80s music. It's stuck in my head 24-7. What about you, Christian? I'm squarely in that Gen X category myself, Brian, so I can relate to the constant 80s soundtrack playing in my head. There's some 90s in the mix, too, though. For those of us who maybe aren't sure, Christian, how should we define the generations? For the purposes of this conversation, we're going to use the definitions we looked at in our 2023 Planning and Progress study, which explores a lot of these generational trends across U.S. adults. So that means that for Gen Z, we'll be looking at people between the ages of 18 and 26 or so. Millennials would be those aged at approximately 27 to 42. And Gen X, we would define as those between the ages of about 43 and 58. And for boomers, boomers plus, we would be looking at those who are over the age of 58. Well, there's something like 260 million-ish adults living in the U.S. today. So what can we learn about how different generations of Americans think about their finances? How are they approaching key financial milestones like retirement, for example? Retirement is a really interesting place to start as the planning process and impact on one's financial situation will look very different depending on what stage you are at in life. Our study found that Gen Zers, for example, are generally a lot more optimistic around retirement. 65% of Gen Z say they will be financially prepared for retirement when that time comes, compared to just 52% of the general population, so perhaps the hubris of youth. This makes sense when you think about it, as Gen Z has the power of time on their side. What stood out to me even more, though, is that on average, Gen Z aims to retire at about age 60, and they expect to live to 100 That gives them up to 40 years of retirement that they will need to prepare for and plan for. Wow, that's pretty amazing. But I assume if we skip ahead and look at, say, Gen Xers, we might see a different story, right? The oldest in this generation are in their late 50s, so retirement's a lot closer for them than for Gen Z and millennials. I imagine that might come with maybe a more heightened sense or level of anxiety. That's right, Brian. We see that Gen Xers, like myself and you, have a lot more worries In fact, a better name for them might be Generation Anxious. More than half of Gen X, 55%, say they won't be prepared financially for retirement when the time comes. On average, they say there's a 46% chance they could outlive their savings, and 4 in 10 haven't taken any steps to resolve this problem. Additionally, people in the upper age range of Gen X, those in their 50s, expect to need the most for a comfortable retirement, over $1.5 million. And they also report markedly lower feelings of financial security than other age groups when asked to rate them on a scale of 1 to 10. 
So part of what's going on in these numbers is likely the anxiety that can emerge in that period of life when your ideal retirement age comes into view. Retirement's no longer theoretical for Gen X. They see it directly on the horizon. I get that. The anxiety issue is front and center for me. You know, I left a steady job a few years ago to start my own business for a few years and then the pandemic hit. And so I was living this fear of, you know, do I have enough? How am I going to pay the bills? And then I'm not even putting away for retirement for some period of time. And that scared me front and center. Before we move on, though, what about baby boomers and boomers plus? Are they more optimistic about retirement? Boomers plan to work the longest of any age group until age 71, compared to an average of 65 amongst the general population. Among those still working, they are fairly pessimistic about the prospects they'll be financially prepared for retirement when the time comes. Nearly half, or 48% of boomers not yet retired say they won't be ready. There's a good swath of this generation that has achieved financial security or is on a good track, but as this research shows, there's also a sizable number who are uncertain call it okay boomers and not okay boomers. And it's a good reminder that no matter where you are on your financial timeline, it's never too late to plan. Absolutely. That's a really powerful message. And beyond retirement, what trends were you able to observe among generations? How do attitudes differ for, say, spending? Yes, the economy has been pretty volatile this year, and that's affected everyone, all of the generations. We hear a lot about how market drops and down cycles can impact people within a few years of retirement, and that's certainly true. But it's also worth noting that slowdowns have a big impact on younger people, too. And it comes in the form of how it impacts big, life-changing decisions. In terms of spending, all generations have cut back on daily purchases like meals out or new clothes and some bigger purchases like buying a new car, remodeling a home, etc. However, Gen Z and millennials, they're also putting off big life events like changing jobs, starting a business, buying a home, getting married, and having children. I think this again ties back to the concept of financial anxiety that we were talking about earlier. How are other generations stacking up when it comes to financial anxiety? And more importantly, what can they do if they're experiencing it? So we conducted a kind of financial wellness check across generations and found what we are calling an arc of anxiety. The study found that financial anxiety trends tend to follow an arc as people move through life. In general, financial uncertainty is elevated for Gen Z, peaks for millennials, begins to recede for Gen X, and sits at its lowest levels for boomers. For example, more than a third, 36% of Americans say uncertainty about their finances keeps them up at night and at least once a month. That number is even higher for Gen Z and it's highest amongst millennials. When it comes to ways to help reduce financial anxiety, seeking good financial advice is always a great place to start. And we all have different needs and goals for Gen X and boomers. They might think, oh, it's too late to reach them. But the truth is it's never too late to plan, especially if you have help from a professional. For Gen Z and millennials, they are in a great position to lay down solid foundations for their future if they put healthy financial habits in place now they have time on their side, and that's really a place where a financial advisor can have massive impact. Christian, we can talk about this for hours, and I have so many of my own financial anxieties I would love to get your advice on, but we have to move on. We've got Tanya Van Court here with us, who I'm sure is going to have an interesting take on this issue. Absolutely. Tanya is fantastic, and her company Goal Setter is a great tool that can help ingrain those good financial habits and behaviors early on.
I'm so pleased to welcome Tanya Van Court, founder and CEO of Goalsetter, which is an award-winning goal-based savings and smart spending platform. Tanya is joining us from her home in Brooklyn. Tanya, it's great to be speaking with you again. And to start off, can you tell us a little bit more about Goalsetter and what it's all about? Goalsetter is an education-first family finance platform. We offer kids of all ages from kindergarten to college a savings account, an investment account, a debit card, and weekly financial education quizzes that are actually attached to the debit card. Our weekly financial education quizzes are mapped to national financial literacy standards, so we cover saving, investing, earning income, managing credit, managing risk. And um, we also provide all of those financial education quizzes rooted around memes and gifts from popular culture. So when Beyonce says, can you pay my bills? Can you pay my telephone bills? We use that to explain. Beyonce wouldn't need anyone to pay her bills. If she would just save for an emergency fund, Beyonce could pay for her own bills. And so we are meeting kids where they are. We are engaging and fun for them. But at the same time, we are explaining those key concepts that their parents don't necessarily know how to talk about at the dinner table. So Goal Setter is this great app to get kids into learning the skills they need for good money management. What led you to launch the company? What was the sort of like eye-opening moment that led you to think, you know what, this is something the world needs? Well, there were actually a couple of eye-opener moments for me. And, and I would say the first one that really led to the founding of the company uh, happened in my late 20s. I was working at a company in Silicon Valley, and the company gave me a bunch of stock and stock options. And I had no idea what those were or what to do with them. In fact, uh, that stock was worth about a million dollars by the time I was 28 years old. And uh, then something quite momentous happened, and it was momentous particularly for all of the people in Silicon Valley who held stock in tech companies, and that was that, you know, the 2001 NASDAQ bubble burst. And that million dollars at the beginning of the day turned into $20,000 by the end of a single day. And I could only think to myself, wow, Tanya, that was stupid. I guess there was something different I should have done with that. But my next thought was, well, you can't turn back the hands of time. All you can do is make sure this doesn't happen to your own kids. And I didn't have kids then, but fast forward to when I actually had my daughter, Gabrielle, I started teaching her everything I could and everything I had since learned about money from the time that she could talk. Um, and so when she was eight years old, about to turn nine, Gabrielle said, mommy, for my ninth birthday, I really only want two things. And I said, great, what's that? And she said, enough money to save for an investment account and a bike. And I thought, if I can get every kid in America to say that by the age of eight, I can change the world. That must have been quite a proud parent moment and one I don't think many parents actually get to have. So it's a goal I can certainly agree with. You know, it's always worth educating yourself about finances. And that's part of why I do the podcast is I get to learn a ton from people like you that I get to talk to. But on average, how much access to financial education do most people even get? If you look at um, America and how America has uh, financially educated all of us for the past two or three generations, the truth of the matter is most adults who you interact with will tell you they did not have a good, solid financial education when they were young. Typically, the extent of that comfort is around budgeting and how to get a mortgage, and then it stops. 
right? Most parents can't sit at the table and at the dinner table and have a conversation about compound interest and how it works or the rule of 72. The interesting thing also is that this is not a set of knowledge that is only uh, applicable and relevant and important to one socioeconomic demographic in our country. It is as critical to those who are wealthy as to those who are wealth-seeking. 90% of wealthy families lose their wealth by the third generation. It is a very real statistic. And if the people who have worked so hard to acquire wealth in this lifetime or you know, have, have inherited some degree of wealth, if they don't teach their kids about how to both maintain and grow that wealth— they will most likely find that that wealth disappears by the time their grandkids are around. Wow. So what you're saying is that for many people, wealth will potentially drop off after three generations. What's happening there? Why would that happen with people who you would think are going to be fairly financially secure? When we talk about the statistic of 90% of wealthy families are losing their wealth by the third generation, um, what, what a lot of experts will tell you is it principally comes down to one issue, and that one issue is communication. Uh, when you have children who are growing up in an environment where they don't know how much money their parents have, they don't know how much money their parents make, they don't know how much um, their parents have to spend in order to maintain their lifestyle through a mortgage and car note and everything else. Um, when they don't have a full appreciation for the expenses of life or how you earn, save, and invest money, then the only window that kids are typically getting is a window into spending money. And that really is, in many instances, the only thing that they're taught as they're growing up. And so kids are learning about spending, but they're not learning about saving and investing and the key principles about building and retaining wealth. And the communication gap comes in because parents don't know how to explain those concepts to them. In some instances, parents don't understand the concepts themselves, no matter how wealthy the parents are. The parents have someone else who is managing their money, and so they can't necessarily explain to their kids the difference between a stock and a bond or uh, what a fixed income investment is. They don't have that language, and they certainly don't have it um, in a way that makes it engaging uh, for kids to converse around. Tanya, in one of our previous episodes, we discussed AI and the role it will play in personal finance. With the help of digital technology, many financial tools will hopefully be much more available to everybody. Do you think in the future we'll see more of a level playing field? I think in the future we will absolutely see more of a level playing field um, because there is more access. But I, I would caution that access to um, the ability to trade or to financial instruments doesn't always level the playing field if you don't couple that access with education, right? We, we all have heard tales of how many people have jumped into Robin Hood, um, put countless dollars into trades, have uh, deemed themselves day traders, and have lost significant amounts of money. And I think the same thing will continue to happen as long as um, people aren't finding ways to engage young people with 
really compelling financial education that is also really reliable. Uh, the great thing about uh, Generation Z is they absolutely are seeking and searching the information that they want already. I don't know if you've heard of FinTalk, but TikTok has a whole financial services segment of people and influencers who are talking to young people every single day about financial topics. The problem is not all of the information they're providing is accurate. And so being able to provide the next generation with not just access, but with engaging information and accurate, trusted information is where we as an ecosystem need to head in order to protect them from, um, you know, not necessarily being taken advantage of by institutions or influencers that uh, don't necessarily have their best interests in mind. So if you're going to give one piece of really good advice, must-have advice for Gen Zs or millennials who are listening to this podcast, what would it be? The piece of advice that I would give to Gen Z would be to um, first educate themselves and then make sure that based on that education that they are are um, investing in, that they invest appropriately and do so early, um, the minute they get their first paycheck. I would also give them the advice of um, diversification. Gen Z is really interested in um, more uh, risky and trendier uh, financial instruments like Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and NFTs. And while, you know, every expert will tell you that it is perfectly fine to include some degree of risky assets in your portfolio, I think it is critically important for the next generation to understand some of the more traditional investment vehicles and make sure that they have diversified portfolios. Gen Z is, um, you know, they have lived through COVID. They've lived through an economic downturn. Uh, they have lived through the highest period of inflation that we've had in the past past 50 years. And so there has been a lot of economic turmoil in their lives. That means that they want financial stability, but in many instances, they want it quickly and they're looking for that silver bullet. Um, I would advise them to make sure that they are diversifying their perspectives on how to get that financial uh, security in addition to uh, diversifying their actual portfolio that's going to get them there. Well, we've certainly seen some choppy waters in the markets and economy over the last few years. Are there bright spots? We talked so much about anxiety in this episode. I want to see if there's something positive for people to focus on too. I would add, especially when we look at how different generations view their money and investments. I think the, the choppy times that we have had as a nation during the past few years have actually brought the generations together. More parents talked with their kids during COVID about saving and investing and emergency funds than had ever spoken with their kids before that time period. Gen Z, I would argue, is probably the most financially educated and financially fluent uh, generation of young people that has come along in this country. I think it is really impressive and a tremendous opportunity for baby boomers and Gen Xers to begin talking to those Gen Zers about, hey, um, now that you're dipping your toe in, let's talk about 
the best ways to make sure that, you know, you are getting into the pool successfully and not drowning at the end of the day. So I think I think we're in a tremendous place and uh, they're at a, a really great starting point. Tanya, thank you so much for joining us today. It was so great to catch up. Yeah, and I'm definitely going to check out FinTalk and get smarter on that. Tanya, thank you so much for the conversation. Thank you both so much, Brian and Christian. It's fantastic to be here and great to talk to you today. Thanks for inviting me. That was a really interesting conversation. I liked her insights into how younger people are so focused on their financial education. I know I wish I'd been that way when I was growing up. Well, Brian, it's never too late, and I hope this series has had some valuable insights for everyone. For sure. I learned a lot from you and our guests over the series, and it's not over yet, Christian. What are our money milestones for this week? Yes, our money milestones. First, it's never too late or too early to put a plan in place for your finances. Every small step you take today can help set you up on the path to long-term financial security. Secondly, good advice is key. Working with financial advisor can make all of the difference no matter your financial situation or stage of life. And then third and finally, finances are like snowflakes. No two situations are the same, but by building healthy financial habits today, you can set yourself up to reach your individual goals in the time frame that makes the most sense for you. Yeah, and I'd just like to echo that point we made at the beginning of this talk about financial uncertainty and the anxiety and stress that it causes. It's something pretty much everyone can identify with. And the nice thing about it is we don't have to go it alone. On our website, we have some useful links, including to Northwestern Mutual's 2023 Planning and Progress Study and to Tanya's Goal Setter app. So that's actually the final episode of the Financial States of America for now. We hope you've enjoyed it. We hope you've taken away some helpful lessons, and we hope you can apply those in your own personal financial journey. And if you want to listen to any of our other episodes, they're all available on our website, financialstatesofamerica.com, or wherever you're listening to this one. So until we speak again, I'm Christian Mitchell. And I'm Brian Falchuk. Thank you for listening, and good luck as you continue your financial journey. Northwestern Mutual is the marketing name for the Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company and its subsidiaries in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, including Northwestern Mutual Investment Services, LLC, and Northwestern Mutual Wealth Management Company. This podcast is meant for educational purposes only and is not intended as financial or investment advice. Please see your financial representative for specific recommendations to meet your personal needs and objectives. The views and opinions expressed in this program by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Northwestern Mutual. Statistics quoted based upon Northwestern Mutual research. For more details, see northwesternmutual.com. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments carry some level of risk, including loss of principal. No investment strategy can guarantee a profit or protect against loss.